Hi all, welcome back to Kickoff Labs on Growth. It's been a while, and I'm sure a lot of things have changed in your life in the last couple months as well. I'm currently recording this introduction from the basement while my kids are remote learning upstairs. I love the interview you're about to hear because it's the story of an entrepreneur who had their business model thrown upside down by the pandemic and had to successfully shift her primary revenue source from a wholesale business-to-business -business model to an online consumer sales model. You learn what went into that transition and how we at Kickoff Labs were able to help. Enjoy the show. All right, we are live, and today I'm talking with Kelly Stewart. Uh, she is the co-founder of Big Island Coffee Roasters. I saw from her email signature, she also won the 2020 Hawaii Venture Capital Association Consumer Packaged Good Entrepreneur of the Year Award. She's also responsible for running a Kickoff Labs campaign for her brand uh, that captured over 18,000 email addresses for their digital storefront. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm, uh, as we talked about before I hit record, I am super excited to talk to entrepreneurs like yourself that are running a physical product business because you guys are way braver than me. Um, I just sell bits and bytes online and try and turn it into money, but you've got to deal with like the physical creation of the product, the packaging, the shipping, the, uh, farmers probably, I don't, I don't know, like what's yeah. the, what's the biggest headache you guys have had? Oh my gosh. Well, um, we started this business. It wasn't intending to be a business. It was intending to be a lifestyle, um, which was like, um, we moved to a farm that happened to have coffee growing on it. And then um, the opportunities kept coming to us and we kept grasping at the opportunities that came to us. And so the business kind of built itself and we're, yeah, as far as challenges go, every day it's like a new challenge. And um, that goes from learning about coffee, handling farmers, building a vertically integrated coffee roasting and processing center, learning about marketing. So um, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of challenges. Cool. Um, that's a little bit of the challenges and we'll go back to some of that in, the, in a bit. Um, for right now, I'd kind of like to discuss uh, what kind of success you guys have had in business in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were trepidatious, I think, as everybody was with uh, COVID and we didn't know what it meant for our business. Uh, Pre-COVID, we did about 75% of our sales volume was wholesale to resorts like the Four Seasons or to Dina and DeLuca. We're serving specialty Hawaiian coffee from all over Hawaii to uh, resorts and retailers. And COVID hit and of course tourism died in Hawaii and Hawaii's uh, a huge part of our market. I mean, our retail market is about 90%. And when tourism dried up, wholesale and retail totally dried up. And so with that being said, we were ready to move right into e-commerce because we've, you know, we love e-commerce. We're on a remote island in a remote area of a remote island. And so it just makes sense to 
be a little bit more e-commerce savvy with we dipped a little bit one month when COVID hit but from the beginning of the year to now we've actually grown 460 percent um wow that's an amazing uh that's an amazing uh, bit of growth there yeah yeah and right now we're actually doing the same sales volume as we were pre-covid um which is which is huge and so our e while our e-commerce has grown tremendously of course our uh, wholesale took a dive and then it's slowly been climbing back up but after experience this like uh Ecom first uh, organization reorganization of our business. We we love it, and so it changed our minds about what we wanted to do with the future, and where we wanted to direct our business. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really great story. I mean, you looked at it like there was this challenge, and your you know your your source of sales going wholesale to uh, hotels kind of started to slow down. I imagine, like you said, with the yeah. drop in tourism. And you guys said, hey, where else can we get sales? Well, we, you, we could go direct to consumers, right? And so mm -hmm. um, it's amazing what you've been able to build up to replace that wholesale, um, that whole, the wholesale amount. And it sounds like grow on top of that uh, going forward. Mm -hmm. So if you get the wholesale stuff back, then you've added a whole new, a whole new um, aspect to your business that you didn't have before. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, it's like, the margins in Hawaiian coffee, you know, you look at the price of the product and you think, oh, these people who are selling it, they're making a lot of money. But I tell you, I never see farmers. <laughs> farmers don't make a lot of money and there's not that much money in the processing of it either. And so while it looks expensive, it's actually a really low margin um, business. And so we need to capture as much margin as we can so we can continue to purchase the inventory. And so Pre-COVID, we're 75% wholesale. We're getting a lower margin on our product. And post-COVID, and we're working our tails off to, um, you know, get the coffee on the shelf to deal with the, um, our wholesale accounts, stockists, brokers, all the things in between the customer. And today, we're 87% e-commerce. Our margins are way better. We're actually working less and we have better capacity. And so it's like, whoa, mind-blown experience. Like, I, this, is, this is just great for us. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's obvious to me that you guys are putting a lot of effort into it. Um, one of the signs I saw, uh, it's just a little thing, but when you emailed me back um, about the interview, about posting it, uh, you said, hey, by the way, my SEO person wants to make sure that like when you link back to our company that you use the following keywords. Um, and when I see things like that from founders, I always think like, wow, there's somebody who's like taking advice from a bunch of different people and like crystallizing it and making it real and taking every advantage they can. Because you could have just, it's a little tiny thing and you could have just ignored it um, or not thought mm -hmm. about it, but like you pass that on. And so it becomes obvious you guys have been, you know, trying, you know, working your tails off, as you said, to, to promote uh, the online store, which leads me mm -hmm. to uh, my next question, which are, which is, um, what are some of the things you did that have worked really well to get the e-commerce side of the business off the ground? Because it sounds like it was very a very small part of your business before. Now, obviously, it's a much larger part of your business. And so how did you go about ramping that up? Because uh, we all know you didn't just put up a website and say it's for sale um, yeah. <laughs> and it, it didn't work like that. 
Yeah, you know, um, we only got on Shopify in uh, February. Prior to that, um, we were on Big Commerce and WordPress. And so I, the tools in Shopify, which I, which I really love, um, made it a little easier for us to access the analytics and grow. We're also in the Shopify for Startups um, incubator, so we get a lot of resources through that. Mm -hmm. So um, that, is, that was the first step. The second step was building out a, an email series based on the questions that we've received in the past. We've been in business for 10 years. And so we have 10 years of customer engagement to pull from uh, the questions that we typically get. What water temperature should I brew with? Uh, what's the difference between Kona coffee and Ka'u coffee? Um, what is a processing method? What's, how should I store my coffee? And so we built out this 10 email series that goes through um, a lot of customer education. That happened to launch just about the same time that COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so we got, um, we got a little bit into COVID and this is actually how we, this is the story of how we um, came to Kickoff Labs. We were, uh, we had this, we have a big wholesale account. It's the airports here in Hawaii called DFS. And they had, they place very large orders and it takes us a little while to process the orders. Like literally we don't have roasted inventory. We get an order from a retailer and we go, we pick up the raw coffee from the farmer. We mill it, we grade it, we sort it. Then we roast it apply barcodes to the bags, package it, and then send it off. So there's a ton of work involved when we get these big orders like this. And so the coffee is ready to be picked up by the retailer. And then they tell us that they've shut down and um, that they won't be accepting the coffee. And so we have this huge order. We're like, what do we do with this, with this coffee now? Um, and so we came up with the idea of doing a giveaway we're like, well, how can we operate? How can we really do this giveaway? Well, let's, let's try this kickoff labs. So we called it Aloha at home and um, it was a 30 day giveaway. Every day we gave a away a bag of coffee from that lot. Now you could say that we could just resell that coffee, mm -hmm. um, but there are a couple different, there are a couple issues with that. One is that our promise to our customers, no matter how you order from us is that we don't, sit on inventory. So you don't get stale coffee from us. Mm -hmm. um, number two is that it's in a different size bag than we sell on our website. Um, and number three, they all had barcodes attached. And so, and some of the products aren't even products that we sell on our website. Mm -hmm. And so we really didn't have anything to do with this coffee. So we're like, well, let's just generate um, engagement from people and mm -hmm. uh, enthusiasm, especially in this time where it's so, you know, everybody's indoors and they're scared and let's use this as a reason to get people to mot motivated and excited to brew coffee at home. So we just took this inventory inventory and we started giving it away through a kickoff labs campaign. Um, 30 days in went really well. And we were just like, we we're very surprised at the growth. And so we're like, let's do it for 40 days then let's do it for 60 days. So we just kind of kept pushing it. Mm -hmm. And um, we only stopped, we still have some of the roasted inventory, but we only stopped because 
like things were getting so busy for us that we couldn't manage it all. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we were, we definitely could have continued to grow. So that was, that was big in our transition. We acquired over 18,000 leads. Not, not all of those were high quality leads, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can definitely see the difference now in our email campaigns when we have a new product that we um, pull in and we push out an email. It's like our sales have quadrupled um, because our email list, even though not all of them are high quality leads, it's just a wider audience. So you mentioned 18,000 leads um, and it creating a wider audience. How many email addresses or leads did you have on your list for your store before you did this giveaway and campaign? I think we had 9,000. Okay. And then what did you do to, I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, you had this excess inventory, it didn't really fit with what you wanted to sell and and the products you really wanted uh, people buying online. So it's a great idea to create a giveaway and give away if you've got some excess products Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And so um, my question is, what did you do to promote and market the campaign? Did you just send an email to the 9,000 people you already had? Or, you know, did you try other Mm -hmm. things to market the campaign? Well, we started with an email to the contacts that we currently have. That was, um, that was strategy number one. And then we started partnering with other Hawaii businesses to give away gift cards from their company as well, because we're all experiencing the same thing. A lot of the industry here is reliant on tourism. And in addition to that, we have now one of the um, lowest, like one of the worst economies in the United States because of of COVID. So there's a lot of us that are in the same position. And so I think we got around 10 or so different entrepreneurial companies to do this giveaway with us. Mm-hmm. And um, they promoted it as well to their, to their followers. Then we went to Facebook after that. Do you, sorry, do you, do, you have oh, to know, do you happen to know about how many followers they were promoting it to? Or did you have any idea when you partnered up? I'm not sure how many followers. Yeah, I don't know. How did you, uh, how do you find uh, these kind of ideal partners? I can see them on your site. It looks like a, a bunch of kind of local, also kind of local to Hawaii like brands. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you uh, found all of them. Are there people you knew, contacts you had? Yeah, um, we're all in a group together. It's we're all uh, local Hawaii entrepreneurs together that are in um it's, it's like an accelerator group. Well, it was an accelerator, but we're portfolio companies of a larger um, accelerator organization called Mana Up. Oh, cool. Uh, so you were, you were saying after you partnered with them and got, uh, and got the word out to their customers as well about the promotion, what were the other things you worked uh, that either tried that worked or didn't work? Yeah, we uh, threw a few hundred dollars into Facebook and um then we were partnering with a subscription box and the subscription box put out a uh, email about everybody getting a product from us in their subscription box and so we said hey you know in this email do you think you could include a link to um to this campaign that we're doing and so instead of we had the opportunity to drive them to our website 
But we thought, how many of these people are actually going to convert? We don't really know if they're, you know, they already got a product in their box. They may or may not purchase from our website. But we think that it's more important to drive them to our campaign so we can control the communication with them than it is to try to get them to purchase a product. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, we drove them to the Kickoff Labs campaign. And yeah, that's what we used. That's what we used. So as far as marketing go, goes um, and dollars spent, I think we only spent a few hundred dollars on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, and what kind of communication did you have with people on your email list during the campaign? So like you started with 9,000, maybe in the first 30 days, it was working well. So you got a couple thousand people. I imagine, were you doing communication throughout the campaign to the list to remind people about the campaign? Um, no, you know, we only promoted it once to our email list and I think we got maybe 3000 or so leads from our list. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we did were our, uh, email provider is, uh, act active campaigns. Mm -hmm. And so instead of using kickoff labs email, uh, we used Zapier to connect it to active campaigns. And then built out an automation in sequence within active campaigns that, you know, thank them for entering. And then um, we initially tried a discount code to see if they were interested in ordering. And then we started just doing A-B tests within there. Gave them an offer for a 13-page um, brewing guide. Um, yeah, so we tried different things within there to continue that engagement. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, some of those leads weren't high quality. So we gave them about, oh, I think it's like 90 days. Um, and we filtered through their engagement level for the course of 90 days. And then after 90 days, if they're not opening the emails, if the only thing that they're interested in is knowing whether or not they won the campaign, then mm -hmm. we just remove them from our list. Yeah. So you ended up doing after, after, so basically after the campaign, you did some follow on engagement um, broadcasts out to the list and emails and you were sort of seeing how engaged people were after the fact. Yes. Okay. Um, what, uh, so what was the best part about um, using kickoff labs to run the campaign you guys ran? Oh, it was, it was engagement. Well, actually, you know what, there were a couple of things. One was that we didn't really have to spend much money um, on advertising because of course you've got that virality component mm -hmm. and it was exciting to see those numbers just like uh, rise exponentially, the leads rise exponentially um, without having to spend really that much in advertising. The Facebook ads were just like people were sharing them. Mm -hmm. So that was exciting. But another thing that was, was very helpful for us is that we asked for an Instagram profile um, upon entry into our uh, campaign. And the reason that we initially did this is because we're giving away gift certificates from some of our partner brands who sell uh, products that are really, you know, you, you want the right demographic for it. Like, you know, it's baby blankets, so you don't want that ending up in like a teenage boy's hand um, mm -hmm. or lipstick or, you know, whatever else, all these other brands. And so we wanted to kind of make sure that these 
these products were going to the right people. And as we started looking um, at some of these Instagram profiles, we noticed that there were that we were getting a large volume of people from that were oh, chronic like sweepstakes people that you know that what they do is just enter sweepstakes and they try to win things mm -hmm. and we had never I, i'm happy about this i'm glad about that we had never made a commitment um or anywhere in our kickoff kickoff labs campaigns that the winners would be those with the highest lead points. Mm -hmm. um, and so we made sure that we were able to make sure that the products were going to the right people, which were the people who we thought might be interested in um, Hawaii, that might be interested in the partner gift products, and that, you know, our, our coffee was some of the most expensive coffee in the world. And these like boutique items aren't, Mm -hmm. going to a person that also just want a barbecue and a box of Tide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'd never realized till we started running this business, how large that community was. If there are those people out there that, that do it um, yeah. <laughs> um, and spend their days looking for new things to enter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And as, as we really started filtering through these Instagram pages, we're like, Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, and so I think at some point, you know, you can't have these campaigns that go on forever because you just get more and more of those people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's good to like, you know, have, have a campaign pause it so mm -hmm. that those leads, you know, die off and then initiate a new campaign down the road. Yeah, that's, that's a fairly common thing. What we see with a lot of businesses with existing stores is that they'll do a campaign once a quarter or once every uh, six months, they'll run like a one to two month campaign um, and then they'll pause it and then they'll reset it again um, mm -hmm. based on what worked well last time. So that is a good practice. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty consistent. So would you say that was kind of the most challenging part? I would say that was the most challenging part. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, kind of a related question, what advice would you have for people uh, that are looking to do, uh, to run a similar campaign where they want to grow their email list and grow their audience? Um, you know, I, I gave this advice actually to a, one of our partner brands who saw what we did and saw how successful it was and wanted to recreate it. Um, and I'm pretty sure they also used kickoff labs. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty, pretty sure told them to get, you know, an Instagram profile or some kind of profile and to like, leave it open as to how you choose the winners. If you were going for long-term engagement from the people who win the products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what you did is, uh, is a good best practice because what it says, um, you, you're not promising how you're, you're picking them. You're just saying enter to win. Yep. Um, and you know, you might be giving people extra chances to win or extra entries with the actions they would take. So I looked at, um, on your thank you page, it looked like you were asking people to email a friend, to like on Instagram, to follow some of the other brands online, um, for additional points, but you weren't making a commitment that the people with the most points won. So that probably gave you the ability to just go through your lead list and kick off labs each day when you were picking a winner and pick people that seemed like the best people to send um, the coffee to. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we started with those who had the highest leads. And mm -hmm. initially, 
in probably the first 15 days before the contest, people really caught on to the, to the contest. We were picking those which had the highest leads who are authentic. Mm -hmm. um, but pretty soon that started getting filled with, with contesters and mm -hmm. sweet stickers. And so then we began filtering down and just choosing, choosing people. But it, but you know, what was cool about that is that we got a lot of responses from people who were like, I've never won a contest before. This is so exciting. I can't believe I won. And that was actually thrilling and heartwarming for us. Uh, it's it's really cool. And, and the thing that you did uh, that you got out of the campaign too, I imagine, is going through some of the profiles, especially of the people who are valid, who entered, who had like a, a fun Instagram address, is you probably got to know some of the people who are potential and eventual customers um, better than maybe you knew them before. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And some of those names we remember. And so we'll, we'll see that um, their repeat orders. They were exposed to us. We learned about them. We know now that they have kids. They like to surf, you know, and it's so sort of, we do handwritten cards here, um, mm -hmm. especially to new customers. And so sometimes if we'll see that person, you know, these people who we now know what their lifestyle is like, they just got married, we'll give them a congratulations or something like that. I mean, I know it's, that might sound a little creepy, to mm -hmm. folks on the mainland, but in Hawaii, people are very close. We have a strong community here. And so it's not unexpected that you would have a strong relationship with a company in on your island. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's not creepy at all. I think uh, it is another one of those things that I hear when I interview people that run successful campaigns is whether it's during or after the campaign, it's uh, common for people to be reaching out to folks in the list that maybe they hadn't met before that are like, wow, like you actually got three other friends to sign up. Like, tell me a bit about yourself. Like they'll reach out personally and, and get engaged with people um, be, mm -hmm. during or after the campaign and both learn a bit more about their, um, their customers, but also create these relationships. Some people go so far as to create a private group just for that group of people to say like, mm -hmm. hey, like we're thinking about like this new roast of coffee, what would you think? And so they'll create these little private groups out of them. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. That's something that we've been kicking around as far as um, customer engagement to another level. So uh, what are you looking forward to in the next year with your business? What's next for you guys? Oh gosh. Well, we have a strong holiday campaign um, that, that we're doing. Um, we're putting out gift boxes, which is exciting. We're putting out more swag. We have a coffee club with a coffee club concierge. And we've got some really just exciting products coming out. Um, and we're also looking into doing another Kickoff Labs campaign either this holiday season, if we have the bandwidth for it, a mm -hmm. 12-day uh, giveaway is what we were thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and if not this holiday season, then maybe next Valentine's Day. Um, something a little bit more, I guess, controlled. I like, I like the idea of the, and I had heard it on one of your podcasts, um, getting a different gift for each level or referral. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to try that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got uh, something coming out too that uh, might be useful to you guys if you're on Shopify, where we could give people additional entries for actual money they spend on the store. Yeah. So if they're ordering a gift, they could get some entries into the contest or you know reach a higher reward level. Um, so I'll be certain to uh, send you some information about that after we're, yeah. uh, we're done talking. Um, that's really exciting. So um, last thing I do is like, I usually just have the five questions at the end, um, kind of meant to be like first thing that pops in your head, not, uh, not a ton of time on each one, but um, how do you personally get into the work zone? Um, it's a little unusual for me because we live and work in the same place. It's a farm and roasting center. We're actually just after 10 years, we're going to move off the farm next month. And so I've lived in the work zone. It's the question is how to get me out of the work zone. Um, I, I really love my job and I'm totally okay with it, but uh, sometimes I need to get broken out and go to the beach and that kind of thing. So how do I get out of the work zone? Going to the beach. So that classifies a beach as your favorite vacation destination then is my next question. New Zealand. New Zealand. Mm -hmm. From one island to another. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, what uh, do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? I do. Um, I have probably two right now. One is, it's called uh, Robin Hood Snacks. And it's yep. this like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Those guys are hilarious. I mean, my, my two favorite podcasts are both with two guys that are just funny, but they're, it's kind of business related. So Robin Hood Snacks, 15 minutes market information done that's fast and quippy. And the other one is the unofficial uh, Shopify podcast. Um, something you learned in the last year. I learned how to play piano. Well, what, uh, what brought that on? Um, I was on a retreat, you know, uh, because our, our work life is so intense, um, and we're multitasking so many things and we don't take that many breaks. Um, my husband and I, we give each other retreat time mm -hmm. and it's separate retreat time. And so I took a month off, oh, in June mm -hmm. and I just went to a retreat and, um, uh, there was a piano there. And I just started playing piano and we just, you know, I didn't work very much. And there's some other kids there that were playing music. And so I was like, oh, damn, this is fun. And so actually my husband is on a retreat right now. He comes back today. So. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So did you like watch videos? Did you have an instructor? Like how did, did you just like pick it up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I started with YouTube videos. Uh, there are videos that you can watch that kind of share where your fingers go for particular songs. Yeah. And um, after I got back from the retreat, I was like, well, you know, now's as good as time as any to pick up piano. We can't go anywhere. So I bought a piano and um, yeah, now I have an, a, an instructor, a guy that I see every week. That's great. Um, so someone you look up to business or personal? Well, Martha Stewart, of course, but who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just, she's pivoted so many times in her life. Mm -hmm. It's just fantastic. And she's just, uh, she's just a boss. Absolutely. So, uh, bonus question for you. How do you take your coffee? Oh, I drink my coffee different almost every day. Oh, really? Yeah, we have an espresso machine. So sometimes I do espresso um, and I do uh, lattes. 
sometimes I think today I had a clever and if you go to our website there we have a bunch of brewing videos and you'll see what a clever brewer is mm -hmm. so I brewed a geisha coffee and a geisha is a very like exotic expensive coffee it's almost like the highest end coffee that we have um I brewed that via clever today how to brew using a clever immersion coffee dripper that's it with a quow giant marg oh <laughs> pronounce that at all <laughs> that's kau giant maragogipe so when people think of coffee in hawaii they always think of kona coffee but there are all these mm -hmm. different regions around hawaii and each one tastes a little bit different and so mm -hmm. we try to let people explore the different regions and the different varieties um from home and so that one comes from kau giant maragogipe comes from the south tip of the big island it's near Kona, but it's not Kona. And it is the largest coffee bean in the world, Morago Kipe. I could definitely learn something on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On this. I thought I was advanced with an AeroPress, but uh, there's obviously a bunch more ways. Oh, yeah, you do AeroPress. Great. Then, so do you see our uh, um, AeroPress video with the um, US champion? Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the highlight video. Yeah, I see that now on the site. Yeah, yeah, that's um, her award. I was a judge in that competition, actually. And um, and she's brewing it with our Ka'u Morning Glory. That's, uh, that's really cool. Um, so I want to thank you for the time today. Uh, you definitely gave a lot of good hints and best practices for people that are looking to uh, run a similar campaign. Uh, and I look forward to working with you guys again in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.